The Daily Logos, Episode 5, Righteousness. Today we're going over the fourth beatitude. The fourth beatitude in Christ's Sermon on the Mount is about righteousness. Matthew 5, 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. The definition of righteousness is acting in accord with divine or moral law and being free from guilt or sin. Let's kind of pull the definition apart before we look into other Bible verses about righteousness. In order for someone to be righteous, excuse me, in order for someone to be righteous, there has to be behavior demonstrated in relationship to what the law of Christ and the law of liberty says. The law of Christ is everything in the New Testament and all moral laws within the Old Testament. The law of liberty is choosing to do what's right as it's laid out in scripture rather than doing what we want. So it's doing what's good rather than what we want. Let's not be so foolish in thinking the law of liberty is to willingly and freely sin, thinking we can maintain our salvation with lawlessness and rebellion. There is strict warnings against that. Hebrews 10.26 says, For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains sacrifice for our sins. Just to make sure everyone is tracking what morality is, it means of or relating to the principles of right and wrong in behavior. So, think ethics there. Think ethics. Ethics are the guiding moral principles. So, as you can tell, they're basically the exact same thing. They're abstractions of one another. So, in short, God's moral laws are the guiding principles in which he tells us to live our life as it is revealed in the entire New Testament. The only laws we are free from in the Mosaic Law are the civil and ceremonial laws. So, I'll give you two examples of some laws that we're not under anymore. Example number one is from Deuteronomy 15, 1, and it might be 1 and 2. But it says, all debts, will, all debts will be wiped clean every seven years. Well, we're not under that law anymore. Example two, you shall not wear cloth of wool and linen mixed together. Deuteronomy twenty two eleven. So as you can see, that has nothing to do with individual behavior from a moral and ethical standpoint. But they were laws in the Mosaic Law, and we're not under those anymore. So now that we understand righteousness as being morally and ethically sound according to all of Scripture, let's ask a meditative question and reflect momentarily. Does God's moral and ethical standards of right and wrong ever change? The answer to that is clearly no. We are not given a permission slip to sin because of grace. In fact, the whole purpose of grace is to bring about the obedience of faith and to turn away from the world and to set ourselves apart and to turn away from lawlessness. It's to set ourselves apart from the world, to get rid of that rebellious nature, and to be obedient to Christ. That's why we're told to take every thought captive to be obedient to Christ. When we have a thought, we have to filter it through Scripture and the law of Christ, which is the New Testament and all of the moral and ethical laws in the Old Testament. And then we have to filter it through the law of liberty, which is what should I do under these circumstances rather than what do I want to do. Let's see what Scripture says about righteousness. 1 John 3, 7 says, Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous, as he is righteous. So he's referring to Christ there, as Christ is righteous. So it's all very simple, honestly. To practice righteousness the way Christ did is to obey the New Testament, all of the moral and ethical laws in the Old Testament. It's very simple. 1 John 2, 29 says, If you know that he is righteous, talking about Christ, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of him. 
What about all the people who claim to be born again but intentionally violate Scripture? Like, what, what, how are we supposed to view that? If Scripture tells us that to be born of Him is to practice righteousness, and we know that practicing righteousness is to do what the Bible tells us to do, minus the ceremonial and civil laws, then how are we to view, view people who raise their hand and say, I believe in Jesus Christ, but they just throw the Bible out the window? And I think I've figured out, I, I don't, I don't, some of it may be unintentional, right? It's hard to tell what's inside someone's heart, which is why only God can judge the heart. Thoughts and intentions are something we can't really, we, we're not allowed to scripturally do. We can only look at behavior and actions. But when we look at the behavior, and, and speech, by the way, we can judge speech and behavior, just not thoughts and intentions. So what what problems what could have potentially gone wrong to bring someone to the point to where they raise their hand and say, I believe and reject what's in scripture. And I think that's a, I think that's a modern dilemma, right? I think that's a modern church problem. And I'm not saying the churches that are like, Hey guys, we have to do what God tells us to do. It's like, that's what we're supposed to do. If we're going to call ourselves Christians, that's not what I mean by a modern church A modern church is a church that's made the focus about the individual rather than Christ. See, and I don't think modern churches do a, a really good job of teaching people how to love Jesus. And the way we're told to love Jesus is in the Gospel of John. We're told to obey his commands and obey his word. So we have to obey his commandments and obey scripture outside of the ceremonial and civil laws. So that what's happened, it seems to me, the focus has become more about people rather than Christ. Right? It's about people have, it's something like, well, my individual walk is my individual walk. It's like, yes and no. Like, the standards don't change for you. The standards don't change for me. All of us are called to live the same life. So an authentic faith walk is to read Scripture and integrate it into your life. And it seems to me it's kind of backwards when we make the focus about us, right? Like, if we make the focus about us, there's something, like, narcissistic about that. Rather than this is about Christ, this is about what Christ did and what we should do to love him. Or how to love him properly. Really, the kind of the core ethos, I think, of what being a Christian should be, it should be more of Christ, less of us. So our focus in everything that we do should be to bring him honor, glory, and praise. That's our goal. It's you. It's him. It's Christ. To bring him, my Lord, honor, glory, and praise. And, of course, being a Christian is denying ourselves and all of the worldly and sinful desires. You know, the Bible tells us the heart is wicked. And that's a tough thing to come to understand because... You know, your heart isn't restored just by raising your hand and say, I believe. That's not it. It's not the words that restore you. Like, there's some things you have to sort out, right? Like, take resentment, for example. You may have to sort through some resentment. There's there's things that people struggle with. There are sins that people struggle with. But we should, our goal with that is to sort ourselves out to pursue righteousness as it's laid out in Scripture. Romans 1.17 says, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Well, so here again, like in order to understand that first, we have to define faith. And so what is faith again? And it brings us back to the core problem of what I think the modern the modern Protestant dilemma is. I guess that's the easiest way to put it, the modern Protestant dilemma. I you know, I've I've been to many, many churches and I haven't seen people fully articulate what faith means and what it means to believe. And so I'm in school for theology and apologetics, and I've dug very deep into John 3.16 and Ephesians 2.8. And remember, the Bible is not in English. 
we read a translation of the Bible. The Bible's in Greek, so we have to understand the Greek definition of the words to fully capture its meaning. So, what faith really means is trust, conviction, action, and obedience. Okay? It's all four of those things. To believe, by Greek definition, again, not English definition, means to have the trust and conviction in which a person is impelled, which means urged forward, by the inner and higher prerogative, which is grace and salvation. That's what they are. Salvation, sanctification, just, that's the inner and higher prerogative, right? Like, he wants us to be justified in his eyes. He wants us to use grace properly. So we're urged forward by grace and salvation and justification, but that's not the only thing we're urged forward by. We're also urged forward by the law of the soul. So if you put faith and believe by Greek definition next to one another, what you'll see is they both have an element of trust. They both have an element of conviction. They both have an element of action. And they both have an element of obedience. They are the exact same thing. There is no difference between John 3.16 and Ephesians 2.8. It is just a different writer. So God's the author of Scripture, right? The only difference between John 3.16 and Ephesians 2.8 is the writer right? It's the divine inspiration from God through them. So what we have to do is we must trust in Jesus through scripture. We must be convicted by Jesus through scripture. We must take action for Jesus through scripture because we love him. And we must be obedient to Jesus through scripture because we love him. The following information was taken from Benson Commentary. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is to sincerely, earnestly, and perseveringly desire universal holiness of heart and life, or deliverance from all sinful dispositions and practices, and a complete restoration of their souls to the image of God in which they were created. This is a just and beautiful description. This is of that fervent, constant, increasing, restless, and active desire of the pursuit of holiness. The following information was taken from Expositor's Greek New Testament Commentary. To hunger and thirst for righteousness is the hunger and thirst for moral good. The passion for righteousness is righteousness in itself in the deepest sense of the word. So here's my questions. Are we hungry for righteousness? Do we thirst for righteousness? Do we want to be holy? Do we want to be justified? Do we want to be sanctified? To hunger and thirst for righteousness is to want what's biblically good. It's the desire to follow and obey the New Testament and all of the moral laws in the Old Testament. It's the desire for things to be the way God wants them, according to Scripture. So all of us can thrive spiritually, having harmony in goodness, rather than having harmony in sin. I hope everyone has a great day. Fight the good fight. God bless.